American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Cast. Hello guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Now Matt Turner, before I throw to you and say how are you, I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. Oh, what we have, it's our first heat? This might be our first heat segment on the podcast, folks. Uh oh. Honestly, Go ahead, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued. I think the heat might be that intense that it could be. T- it could spell the end of the podcast. Oh, you were just getting on a roll too. All I right. know. <laughs> now, Duke's up. obviously, you went to New York, and we'll be talking about your time at Fort, uh, Rumble on Forty Fourth Street. Um, however. I woke up the following day, and even though I had a great video of Mina and I had a great video of Mayu, thank you very much, I seem to have not received a text or a video or a photo of you doing the Cosmic Angels dance. Now, I do not understand, Matt Turner, where that video has gone. Why would you not send me a video of you doing the Cosmic Angels dance? Why would you do that to me? It's the same reason why there's no video of me brain bustering Godzilla because that footage does not that footage, good sir, does not exist. Is that a good enough excuse? And, and am I out of this heat segment? Genuinely, I saw Mina come out, and I was like, I wonder if I can just see Matt like doing the dance moves at the same time. And then I got distracted by Whacker. So <laughs> you may even even because obviously my uh, my wonderful bride was to the left of me. I think we said at the same exact time. I can go back and watch it. I think we said at the same same exact time. Boy, walk is so bad; it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have a nice Halloween, buddy? Absolutely, yes. Halloween was. You know, when I was a kid, we would always go trick or treating, or even at my parents' house, we would always have a whole bunch of kids uh, knocking on the door, trick or treating. Ever since I moved up where I'm at, the last ten years, we rarely get any, and it's kind of it's kind of a bummer because I am a, a big fan of Halloween. So, how about you? Did you get any trick or treaters, or did you dress up or do anything uh, special? See, now in Britain. It's not as big a deal, the dressing up and things like people are going to get British people going, actually, yeah, it is. It's just you, you miserable son of a. Um, <laughs> but we we got quite a few this year, obviously, the last couple of years from COVID and things like that. We haven't had many. Um, it's always fun when someone knocks on the door and I answer the door and they sort of look at me and go, oh, hello, Mr. Goodwin, because they're the kids I teach. That's always fun. Um but yeah, we had a couple this year. A girl, bless her, kept coming back for more, um, which was, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that, but sure, here, have at. Um, but there were some great costumes. I didn't dress up. We've got a black cat. That is about as far as the uh, as the dressing up went. Um, 
We didn't do any pumpkin carving actually either this year, which was a shame. We'll have to get on that next year. But in Britain at the moment, we're sort of sitting in between um, Halloween and Bonfire Night, which I know isn't a universal thing. It's basically where we celebrate a failed terrorist attack on the Houses of Parliament, which is it's bizarre when you read into it. But anyway, it's where people go and watch cheap fireworks and it's an excuse to eat hot dogs. So, you know. I'm all for it, Matt. I'm all for it. Um, But before we get into anything else, obviously I wanted to talk to you about my football match. I've just come back for a little bit of a lifting of the curtain for you all um, because we are recording this slightly late. It is on uh, Wednesday, the 2nd of November. Um, But just my dedication to this podcast, I've just come in from a football slash soccer match jumped in the shower and I'm eating my very poor excuse of a tea um, or a dinner as we are recording. Um, but Matt, um, we play, we are in a league that is far too good for us, far too good. We regularly get spanked 6-7-0, um, which is, you know, it, you sort of get desensitised to it after a while. Um, however, today, um, I don't know what we'd had for breakfast or dinner or whatever, but we were very, very good. And we were holding top of the league um, until the very last second. Um, we were 1-1 at the time. We'd actually gone 1-0 up. Um and they scored with the last kick of the game to make it 2-1 and to beat us. It was one of the most demoralising victories. I would rather get beaten 13-0, which we did the previous week, um, than lose. Sorry. you just, just taught me. I'd rather get beat 13-0. And then the, the subtlety, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, which we did last week. I, <laughs> that did happen. I wish I was joking, Matt. I wish. Do you know what makes it even worse? We lost 13-0, and my brother, who was the goalkeeper... He never listens to this podcast, which is fine. So I can I can praise him. He's a fantastic goalkeeper. Like honestly, he pulls off some world class saves. He was man of the match. Like that should give you some indication of how bad we were. We lost thirteen nil, and he was man of the match. That's honestly, we, we were dreadful. Um, but honestly, there's nothing there's nothing as humbling as standing on a football pitch. It's a sport you love, and watching sixteen year olds just run rings round you and, you know, you know that they have an experienced beer or, you know, women or, you know, their first curry, for example. And you're just watching them going, there's time, there's time. Life will ruin you as well. Um, but, you know, just watching them skate past you at 400 miles an hour and you're too fat and too slow to catch up to them. So here I am eating my banana and my yogurt, feeling very, very sorry for myself. Uh, but don't worry, I'm here to record a very entertaining podcast for you all today. Um, <laughs> so I guess it is my is my job as a co-host of this podcast and your friends are to lift up your spirits. And I'm fully confident that I will do that so <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed we should have a segment with how many did rob lose this week um <laughs> because i imagine it will uh, it will get worse um before we kick into a substantial a substantial amount of news actually little tidbits and things like that um i just want to talk about the pay-per-view so as i've already said it is the 2nd of november as we record this will come out on the 4th um and the pay-per-view will have already happened we couldn't delay it to watch the pay-per-view to then record. So we're going to do today, which is a review of Rumble on 44th Street 
and the second night of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League. And then we are going to record our review of the Hiroshima Goddess Festival on Saturday, and that'll drop for everyone on Sunday, the 6th of November. So make sure that you are paying attention to that. Um, Before we kick into the news, like I said then, Matt, give us a rundown. What is coming up on the Stardomcast Patreon this week? Okay, deep breath. This past Monday was Halloween, speaking of Halloween, and not even – I we, Sean and I didn't even do this on purpose. We just kind of got lucky that uh, there was no tricks, all treats for our Patreon members as we dropped not one but two episodes. Uh, we did the watch-along of Io Shirai's final starter match for now, fingers crossed, as uh, she reunited with Mayu Iwatani as we had Thunder Rock versus Owido Tai of Kagetsu and Hazuki. And also, we dropped the 2020 Momo Watanabe and Azumi, also known as Momo AZ, uh, Goddess of Stardom Tag League run. So that's what dropped just this past week. Uh, coming up this week, this Monday, the watch-along will be uh, Mayu Iwatani challenging Kari Hojo uh, for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Figured... I kind of figured that would be a a good way to go, considering the fact that um, that those two, the, you know, that matchup is a is a fresh hot topic right now. So we'll be going back to and and uh, watching that match and reviewing it and uh, breaking it down. And uh, and actually, Rob and I a few months ago we actually uh, touched upon that match when we did Kari's uh, white belt review. And uh, the poll for November actually just closed uh, earlier today. So for the white belt and red belt tier Patreon for November, we will be doing the number one vote getter was Hazuki High Speed Rain. So that'll be dropping off in your Patreon feeds in about two weeks or so. And um, the num- what came in second place was Kagetsu's Red Belt Rain. So I'm just looking at the result. First of all, how dare you? This is the second time I put the Tam Nakano White Belt Rain on the poll <laughs> and it lost. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you? I didn't even look at this just until I was like, I, I noticed like two days ago it said that it had a, uh, it was going to close in two days. So I was like, oh, that's probably right when we're recording. So I'm looking at it right now. And Tamnakano was way out in front. So yeah, so what'll probably happen since Hazuki came in first place, we'll do the Hazuki high speed rain. Again, that'll drop sometime in the middle of November. And then at the end of November, we will drop the Kigetsu red belt rain. Unbelievable. You, unb- I still love everybody, but come on. Come on, I'm gonna, that's going to be on the poll. I think every month now until you until we, until we get it in there. You're we doing well, people. Well done, well done. Keep him yes. waiting. Hey, <laughs> yeah. it's it's funny because whenever I put anything Tam or Riss on the poll, it usually like automatically wins. It's usually like you know that's definitely to go to, but that lasts twice. So I don't know. Maybe it's just too recent. But yes, yeah, so that's what's coming on the Patreon. Uh, that's what 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 dropped off on Monday. Like I said, next Monday will be or this Monday coming up. Excuse me. We'll do a Kari versus Mayu um, watch along. And then I will start doing my homework this weekend for the Hazuki high speed ring, which I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to be doing. Yeah, it's a good time to get in on the Patreon uh, forwards, f- patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. Just a little bit of housekeeping in regards to the Patreon. They have changed the um, payment days. So no matter when you sign up, it will take the money on the first of the month, uh, which is better, I imagine, for everyone. Um, so, yeah, 
getting on it. You know, there's some fantastic stuff going on over there from Matt. He does fantastic, tireless work. So please go subscribe. Um, and I just want to shout out Jose Lara and John Thurman are latest to Patreon uh, patrons. Thank you guys for subscribing. We really, really, really do appreciate it. Um, let's delve into some of this news then. And we've already talked a little bit about the Hiroshima Goddess Festival pay-per-view that's coming up on Thursday. There's been a couple of changes to the card. Now, initially, there was going to be a gauntlet tag that opened up the show. That's now been changed. So opening the show now is a three-way tag with the team of Waksukiyama and Lady C, the team of Saida and Momokogo and O2 Line, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki. They are in a three-way tag. And then second on the card is just a straight-up tag team match. FWC take it on Saki Kashima and Ruaka. And then we've also got, slightly changed, um, the singles match, the special singles match between Mayu Iwatani and Alpha Female with Mayu Iwatani's successful defense at 40, uh, Rumble on 44th Street. Spoiler. Um that match has now been made an SWA championship match. Honestly, you wait all this time for an SWA title defense and then two come along at once. It's like waiting for a bus. Um, my question to you in regard to that now title match, does that change your opinion on who wins that belt? Ooh, I knew, I, I saw this. I saw it got changed, and I was like, "Rob's gonna put me on the spot," and I was prepared for it, and you did. Nice. And I still, do, and I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know just because of does Mayu eat a loss before what is arguably the biggest start a match of all time? But now it's a might be an excuse to get the SWA belt offer and then put the IWGP Women's Belt on her. Which, by the way, uh, obviously we'll get into, but uh, we I. Talked to a lot of our fans at the uh, New York City show, and you're in the camp by yourself, buddy. Everybody thinks that my user. So. <laughs> it is lonely here being wrong. Um, <laughs> well, it's um, a win-win situation for you because obviously I know Mayu's your favorite wrestler, so if she wins, you'll be happy. If she loses, you'll be like, I told I'm the smartest <laughs> man in the you the you know smartest man on top of the hill, buddy. Way to go! And you as know we know. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, and that would be yours. So. Absolutely. And as we know, my track record for predictions is absolutely sensational. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's a tough one. I, do I see Alpha Female holding the SWA belt? No. Um, the, the thing is, you, you want to try and keep Alpha Female strong as part of the Neo Stardom Army faction you can't then give her two losses to both Mayu and Kairi back-to-back. Um, I mean, it does depend as well on how long they are keeping Alpha Female around, whether it's a case of this is one and done, then it's not going to hurt anything. It makes no difference. However, if they're keeping her around, the sheen is taken off her slightly if she's been beaten by Kairi and Mayu. Um, they are going to have to build her back up after that. Um I, I, what if, um, what if, I mean, because there's three other title matches, so it's kind of stuck in the middle. What if it ends in like a double count out or Alpha Female just beats up Mayu so bad on the outside, she gets disqualified? And this way, it looks like she just dominated Mayu for the match and she just, you know, got overzealous and got DQ'd. That's something they can do. That could work. 
Absolutely, that could work. It sort of kills two birds with one stone there, doesn't it? It's You know, it keeps the belt on Mayu, yet it also makes Alpha Female look like an absolute killer, um, which I think she needs after um, losing to Kairi. She needs that big victory, and this is the perfect opportunity. Has Had this been just a straight-up singles match, I'd have been more inclined to say, as I was, that Alpha Female's going to win. I think with it being a title match, I don't see Alpha Female walking away with a belt. But then again, um, you know, Again, my predictions are very, very, very rarely right. Um, if you want to listen to our preview of the Hiroshima Goddess Festival show, then we did that last week. And again, our review of that show is going to be dropping in your feeds on Sunday night. Um, another couple of things. Uh, the ever-contentious uh, PWI list was published for the women. Um, and Suri was named number one to the anger of quite a few people who thought it should have been Bianca Belair, but those people who know who Siri is um, will, I think, agree that she was fully deserving of it this year. She had an ab- She's had an absolutely phenomenal run, um, and I couldn't be prouder, couldn't be happier for it. Um, a couple more stardom people that featured in this 150 list. Uh, we had Suri at one, Saya Kamatani at seven, and Starlight Kid at nine. So three stardom wrestlers breaking the top 10, which is fantastic. Um, Azumi at 16, Utami at 20, Mayu Iwatani at 27, uh, Tam at 30, um, Momo Watanabe at 39, Suzu Suzuki at 41, uh, Nats Boy 55, Julia 57. And I saw quite a few people saying, well, Julia's really low, but don't forget this encompasses the end of 2021 into 2022. And of course, Julia was injured for a lot of uh, 2021 from the middle to the end of 2021. So that explains that. Uh, 59, Risa Sarah, um, 78, Mirai, um, Kogama was 91st Hazuki 101st uh, Nene Takahashi 105th um, and then Hanan at 132 I thought that Micah was on here somewhere I think I've missed her out um, oh no no I haven't that is bizarre well, Micah didn't make it well, how about that son of a gun yeah that is weird considering that Kogama has Nothing against Cockamer, yeah. obviously. Um, but maybe I have just missed her out. Um, someone in the comments um, tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, what a fantastic notch in the belt for Siori, Matt. Yeah, not only that, but look at the cover. Look what's on the cover, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You know, one of the most premier wrestling magazines ever. It's the three stardom wrestlers. It's, it's Shuri, it's Saya, and Starlight Kid. And last year... Uh, they had three in the top 10 as well. They do Tommy at two. Shuri was seven and Tam was nine. And I might have seven and nine flipped. I know that uh, Tommy was two. And I know uh, there was a seven and nine spot that was Tam and Shuri. So I don't, I, I think Shuri was seven and Tam was nine. So that's just, that's just great. Uh, I thought, and I know how, you know, the, the, whenever the PWI 500 comes out or the, you know, now this new one, uh, 150 with the women, which I absolutely love that they're doing. You know, you always just a lot of people just kind of go up in arms and things. And you really have to read what the criteria is. And they're really big on wins. They're really, really, that's the reason why Jay Cargill was number five. A lot of people are like, are you kidding me? How is she number five? One, she's never lost. Two, she's the 
secondary secondary belt holder for the second biggest wrestling company in the world. That's why she's five. She be should she be ranked higher than Saya Kamatani? I'm gonna say no, but that's just me. But when that list came out, it's very rare. You know, I've been reading PWI since even before the uh, they started the 500 back in '91. It's very rare that a Japanese wrestler is number one just based on views. Like, where are the biggest views? You know, WCW, WWE, WWF. Uh, you know, even Impact. AJ Styles, I think, uh, was was number one one year. AEW. So it's very rare that a Japanese wrestler tops that list. I think Okada did it in 2017. But the fact that like Kabashi, Masawa, or Kawada back in the 90s, or even Kabashi uh, in 04 was never one is kind of just a head scratcher. So you realize that hey, that's what they. That's just it's more of American list. And I was actually talking to um, right before the list came out, and I was talking to Scott from Scotty Wrestling, who uh, I know he's listening. And if he's not, I will forearm him in the face. Totally just kidding. I love you, Scott. <laughs> but uh, I was telling him, no, it's going to be Bianca Belair again because they're just really big on wins. And she was number one last year, rightfully so. She won, you know, the Royal Rumble last year. She won the main event at night one of WrestleMania. So I thought just because she had a wrestle, big WrestleMania win and a big SummerSlam win, that she would be number one again. And literally, that's why I told him. I said, you know, I don't want anybody to get upset that it's not going to be Sherry. It's going to be Bianca Belair. And about an hour later, I said, I had a message from him. And he said, no, Matt, it's it's Sherry. And then I went on Twitter. And now I see it was Sherry. I did see the cover with all three, you know, the the three of uh, the top 10 stardom wrestlers. And I and you think the quote was like something with stardom and then in parentheses, well, it's about time. And I'm like, oh, that is a magazine that I'm definitely, definitely going to get because it's just going to be great press uh, for not only those three wrestlers, but for stardom in general. And, uh, I, you know, I think me and you and all of our listeners will agree it's about damn time that the world recognizes what we've been talking about here for what I've been talking about for a little over a year and what you've been talking about since you started this podcast over two years, just how damn good stardom is. Yeah, absolutely. And in my attempts to find Micah on my list, I have found Mina Shirakawa. Mina Shirakawa was 123, uh, which is great for her. Um, I'm really proud because genuinely she's, improved massively um speaking of mina shirakawa um the we are stardom english uh twitter account posted an article in tokyo sports about saya kamatani ahead of her match against mina for the white belt on november 3rd and how she's been doing some secret judo training in uh, preparation for Mina's leg-based offense. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Saya adapts that judo into her offense and indeed her defense against Mina and how it changes Mina's game as well, Matt. All she's got to do is go back and watch a whole bunch of NWA tapes and just watch how all these wrestlers counted Ric Flair's figure four. But that's just me, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> Um, we've got a little bit of news in regard to the Mayu Iwatani film that is coming up, The Runaway Wrestler, based on her autobiography. Um, it's got its leading lady. Um, Anna Hirai won the audition, um, and she's going to play the role of Mayu Iwatani in the biopic. Um, they did post a video of um, Anna with Sayurida, and genuinely I had to do a double take because they do look 
so similar. The casting department have done a fantastic job in matching them. Um, she's very, very Mayu in her mannerisms and indeed her looks, Matt. Have you seen the uh, the video I'm talking about? Yeah, and I, once you said, once you, I, I chuckled there a little bit. I'm not sure if you picked it up because I thought you were going to say that uh, Saeeda chopped her. It's kind of like, <laughs> well, welcome to Stars, kid. I thought that was great that Saeeda chopped her to like, congratulations. <laughs> But yeah, she does. Uh, she does look a lot like Mayu. I'm sure Mayu had a. Uh, I hope she had a hand in picking who was playing her in this uh, biography picture. And I thought it was cute how Saeeda chopped her, and then they put it on social media. So I thought that was really good. Did they um make an, any announcements when they're going to start filming, or roughly when uh, this will be the movie will be out? Not that I've seen. Not to say that they haven't, but again, I I couldn't tell you, Matt, if I'm being perfectly honest. Well, I appreciate your honesty, sir. <laughs> it's all right, buddy. <laughs> um, Azumi has the chance to make a little bit of history on November 19th at Gold Rush. Um, if she retains her high-speed championship, um, she will tie the combined belt's all-time record for most title defences with 12, matching Natsuki Teo, which is a fantastic achievement, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, um, from I think Azumi's one of the best champions in in all of wrestling, not just stardom, I and mean, what she's been able to do with that belt, um, it's it just ele- completely elevated the game. Considering the fact it's kind of like the third, or maybe even you know if you're a big tag team wrestling fan like I am, the fourth uh, highest tier belt in the company. And we've seen her on go on pay per views and absolutely steal the show with that belt. But I think that's a belt that I think she should break all the records. I think she should hold that belt at least another six seven months. I mean, no reason to take it off her. Uh, I mean, eventually you're going to elevate her to the top of the car, but what she's been able to do with the high-speed belt, you know, basically taking that belt and you can almost main event any show, you know, with her is just a, a, a just kudos and credit to just what a fantastic performer uh, Azumi is. But I hope I hope she does. I hope she breaks the record and I hope for the most title defenses and I hope she breaks the record for uh, longest title reign. Well, that stat comes to us from our friends at Monthly Puraesu. Um, A couple more in terms of Azumi. If you go to the stardomcast.weebly.com, uh, you'll see that Azumi has gone up into the top seven um, in single championship reigns. Her current reign sits at about 248 days. Um, she's about 10 days off Natsukateo's reign um, in sixth. Um, in terms of title defences in this reign, if she defends which I think she probably will um, on November 19th. She will tie Hazuki in second place for title defences in a single reign at eight. Mayu Iwatani currently holds the record at nine. So there is a very, very real chance that Azumi breaks that record for single reign championship defences, which I'd be really over the moon for Azumi to do that. She deserves it. She's been a fantastic high-speed champion. She's been the linchpin of the high-speed division for a long, long time. So to see her get that recognition will be absolutely fantastic. Um, let's move on to Stardom in Showcase. Um, the next Stardom in Showcase show is going to be on November 26th at um, the Todoroki Arena, which was where, if you remember, last year they held Kawasaki Super Wars, um, where there was the fantastic yet underrated match between Utami and Hazuki for the Red Belt. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's a great match. Um, but the first match has been made official for that. Uh, we have got a six-woman 
tag. I believe it is going to be a coffin six-woman tag match. I don't know how that is going to work, but there we are. Um, it's Neo Stardom Army versus Donna Del Mondo. It's going to be Julia May Sakurai and Tekla of Donna Del Mondo taking on Nene Takahashi, you and Tropical Passion Mask of the Neo Stardom Army. Are you excited, Matt, to potentially see a coffin match in Stardom? Well, we uh, had one in Stardom and Showcase uh, before. So, and uh, we talked about there's a possibility this may be a time limit draw. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it is what it is. But to kind of just to go back, you don't have to rewind, but just a couple of seconds. Uh, yeah, you were talking about they, they did do a show, uh, you know, at the same venue with a fantastic match between you, Tommy, uh, and Hazuki. And if you want to read all about that, if you go to page 256 <laughs> of Rob Goodwin's Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th anniversary review, you can read all about it. But uh, going back to your original question about the <laughs> coffin match, that's what Stardom and Showcase is. It's basically they're just taking a whole bunch of gimmick matches, you know, from the 80s, 90s and, and whatnot and kind of just throwing them at the wall and say, hey, let's see uh, what sticks. They sold out. They sold out the first two, and they did really good pay per view buys on the first two. So uh, this concept isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's, uh, just like New Blood, it's just it's 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 basically started running almost like three different brands, and all the brands are doing well. It's just kind of three different flavors. So uh, it, it you know I'll be watching. Sure, absolutely. You know, but uh, coffin matches kind of aren't my thing. But at the same time, you know, we'll see what happens. See see how fun uh, it can be. Yeah, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. During my little hiatus from the podcast, I didn't watch um, the Stardom and Showcase shows. Um, I, I believe the first thing I saw from it was the Cosmic Rules match, which basically boiled down to them squaring each other with war pistols. And I was like, I don't think this is for me. Um, so we'll see how this one goes. Um, it might not be my thing, but we will see. Uh, we'll review it nevertheless. Um, speaking of Cosmic Rules, Yunagi Sayaka has been on somewhat of a tear around different Japanese promotions. Um, she's turned up this morning in uh, Sendai Girls, um, and this comes courtesy of at It's Dana now on Twitter. Um, and if you don't follow them, please do. It's great. Um, but she has been trying to get a match in Sendai Girls, um, but Chihiro was ignoring her on Twitter. So she hopped on a bullet train and showed up at the dojo um just invited herself to the dojo and got a match in two minutes um and then said okay see you later and went home i mean that's amazing that's fantastic <laughs> so on the 20th of november at corican hall which is the same day as historic crossover yunagi is going to be in a tag match with a mystery partner now i don't want to spread any false rumors matt but obviously the 20th of november is historic crossover. One Mina Shirakawa is not booked as of yet on historic crossover. Ooh. Do we see a pink Kabuki reunion? Oh, I'm going to say no, because I think, uh, I think, you know, I just, Ooh, just, for the, no. <laughs> just because uh, I think Mina, just her, her, she's one of the hottest acts in all of stardom. I think that she's going to be on that, uh, the historic crossover show. I think they'll find a way to put her on the show. That's why. <laughs> Okay. Even though even though I ooed it, I brought it up and then took it right back down. So I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. So just just for that, just okay. for that, just because I I think she is gonna be on that uh, that New Japan show. Um, and finally, final bit of news. Um, well, 
there's two bits. Um, there's one that's going to be very quick. Um, but this is courtesy of Velkage on our Discord. He sent me a private message, actually, to say there's been a documentary airing about Kagetsu and his transition. Um, it is in Japanese. Um, he sent me the link. Um, it is in Japanese, which obviously makes it very difficult. But I think it's incredibly important and incredibly cool that he has got a documentary about his transition. It aired on Sunday. Um as we record, so last Sunday. Um, it aired on NTV, according to Valkage, which is the big national TV. Um, it was aired deep in the night, but, you know, still on big national TV. I mean, what an interesting watch that's going to be. Um, and, you know, again, congratulations for the transition, right, Matt? Thousand percent, yeah, absolutely, thousand percent, so... Yeah, I, I did not know. And always uh, big thanks to Velkic, who's always such a huge supporter of uh, both me and you and the show. And anytime we reach out for anything, he always uh, helps us out. So uh, big thanks to him on that. So, but yeah, good to uh, the former Kagetsu on, uh, on the transition and all the positive press uh, that he's getting. And also Velkic has told me that they didn't announce Himika and Momo's matches for the pay-per-view until after we'd made our predictions. So I beat myself up for no reason. So that made me feel a lot better about myself. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Valkic. <laughs> um, let's move on to sort of the main event of this podcast then, which is the New Japan Rumble on 44th Street, Friday the 28th of October 2022 at the Palladium Times Square in New York in front of 982 people. Before we delve into these matches, Matt, Talk us through the time you had, who you met, um, what you enjoyed, the best match. Talk us through it all, my friend. All right, uh, hang on in here, folks. So there's a there's a lot to cover, and it was it was a fantastic time. Now, um, I go to New York every October for New York Comic Con. It takes us anywhere between three to four hours to get there, and about ninety minutes to get home, just because of the traffic. To give you an example, again, about four weeks ago, myself and uh, Andy Hatter, my tag partner, we went to New York Comic Con for our annual trip, and it took us a shade over four hours to get there, literally to the point where people were probably wondering where we were because it took us so long to get there. So, and again, on the way home, four days later, it took us a little over an hour and a half to get home. So I told my wife, my wonderful wife, who uh, who, who assisted me, and she was an absolute trooper on, on this trip for several reasons. I told her, I said, look, it's going to take at least three hours to get there. She said, there's absolutely no way. It's only about 90 miles away. It's it, I just map quested it. It's, it's only 80 some minutes. And I said, yeah, but we're going to hit traffic. I'm telling you, it's going to take minimum of three hours to get there. Rob, we left the house a little bit after nine o'clock and we got there around 10 30 <laughs> literally parked the car in the parking garage walked across the street to the hotel room uh as we're waiting in line to check in i get my phone and i text andy and i said we just got into our hotel at new york city we left a my house a little bit after nine o'clock he's like you got to be kidding me he goes your wife probably thinks that me and you are out doing some sort of all this crazy stuff that's the reason why it takes us three, <laughs> hours, three to four hours to get there so so that was nice um Kind of just walked around the city for a little bit, and obviously my main goal for uh, for that evening was to try to meet and greet the three ladies from Stardom in the show. Uh, obviously, Mayu being number one, and I'm meeting it in Waka to either you know try to get some sort of press for the podcast or just to meet them, take a picture, autograph something, or something just you know just to say thank you. 
but there was no meet and greet. I, I scoured the internet for any type of meet and greet. Didn't see anything. Um, I did get to meet Tom, who uh, work, who is uh, runs Monthly Pure Wrestle, which um, we've been working with them with ads in their magazine. And he's just a, a fountain of fantastic information. And you want to talk about somebody that is going out there and you know and grinding and to try to get that magazine publication uh, everywhere. That's him. I mean, he flew in all the way from California, you know, to be at the show to kind of help him with the uh with the magazine and yeah he if you take a look at the new pre-order for issue number 10 chris jericho's on the cover he basically told me the entire story how he got chris jericho uh on the cover and it's not my story to tell maybe one day we will have him on this podcast i know he he flat out told me he goes i don't i don't listen to podcasts at all because i never heard yours it's like i just don't i'm not a big fan of talk radio but he's like i really appreciate the grind that you and rob are doing um, so I thought that was, uh, you know, a very, very nice thing to say, but so I knew that the first match was a pre-show match. It started at seven 30. So I said, okay, I said, let's leave the hotel at five 30, try to get in there, try to see if something, if there's, I can find somebody that I know if I can get backstage something, you know, what, basically what the, whatever it takes mentality that I have legally, obviously <laughs> to try to get my main goal accomplished. So God, again, God bless my wife because she probably tried on three or four different outfits just to make sure that she looked okay for this. Now, Rob, you've been to wrestling <laughs> shows before. It's not going to the Grammys, right? So it's, <laughs> I, I can assure you that I have been to a wrestling show and not looked like I've been at the Grammys, my friend. So, and her whole big thing is, again, God bless her, was kind of, she, she didn't say this in so many words. It was like, well, I know that you're going to run into people that know you. So I'm representing you, I'm representing the podcast, and I'm representing Rob. And I don't want to let anybody down. Now, obviously, Rob, you've never talked to my wife. You never text, nothing. But I think just the fact that she just she just appreciates you. She really, really likes you. And I think for one of the main reasons is because I have somebody to talk about stardom with other than her. So you soften the blow. So she's got a ton of respect for you. So we, we left the hotel around 530. Again, the first match wasn't starting to 730. It was only about a 10-minute walk. We were only about five blocks away. So we were waiting in line, not sure what time the doors are going to open, but I quickly picked up on all the Japanese cameras that were there, uh, you know, for the different uh, TV stations that, that were there. And they would keep going up and down, walking down uh, by where the, the Palladium Theater was and um, just filming everybody. And I don't know what's going to make air, but I figured, you know what, if I'm here, I'm going to take advantage of the situation. So I was wearing my Stardom cast hoodie, the one that has the, uh, the, the logo with Mayu doing the, uh, the moonsault. And I had my back turned and I put the hood up and I cannot tell you how many times when the camera would walk by, I would transition from the old school Chris Jericho Y2J pose to the Rob Van Dam pose <laughs> to the point after the fifth or sixth time I did it, the camera crew came right over to me and zoomed right in. So I may have get, gotten us a free commercial on Japanese TV. I don't know. Regardless. I'm taking advantage of every situation that I'm in. <laughs> Mate, I appreciate your grinding. That that is unbelievable commitment to the cause. That is. Uh, oh, just wait, just wait, sir. Just oh wait. my god! <laughs> so we get into the building maybe about an hour and change before the first match is supposed to start. Again, first match was starting at seven thirty, and we were told it was the uh, the Cosmic Angels tag match. As soon as I walk in, that's where I met Tom. You know, he came uh, from Monthly Pro Wrestle. We had a nice conversation. And again, he basically told me, hey, I was here the night before. I don't think they're doing any sort of meet and greet. So, well, let me go and take a look in. So I found out where the merchandise booth was. There was one table 
all New Japan stuff, one stardom shirt, $40. I don't need any more shirts. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I asked about a meet and greet. Nobody had any idea. I said, all right, not a problem. So in my head, I figured, all right, I'm going to save all this money by not spending it on meet and greets and whatnot. I'm going to get myself nice and drunk, which nowadays takes anywhere between three or five drinks because I'm not too much of a uh, marathon drinker. But that was going to be, you know, that's basically in my head what I was going to do. So as we got in there, uh, our listeners, our uh, the friends and uh, family of the Stardom cast, so many of them, you know, came up to me, shook my hand, uh, took pictures. I had one person even uh, tap me on the shoulder, shook my hand, and I saw they were wearing earbuds in, and they turned their phone over, and they had they were listening to the latest episode of the uh, of, of the Sarum Cast, and we I was told that our podcast is funny and informative. So I don't know if you want to use that on a tagline for anything, Rob, or one of our T-shirts. You know, the Stardom Cast, funny and informative. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so why I thought, not? Why not? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really really nice. Everybody was just so giving us, you know, compliments, you know, how much they enjoyed the show, uh, one, how much they loved having you back. Somebody even said, uh, Sean, our uh, our editor-in-chief, they want to know if he was a uh, professional uh, radio DJ or had or was like a professional editor, um, just for how well the sound quality was. Nothing, nothing but praise. But I do have to say, sir, that the most common question that I got asked in one way or another, one form or another, was if you set me up on the podcast every week for the cheap plug of living the dream starting <laughs> 10th anniversary review. And I'd say, and I even say, I, Rob never sets me up for that. That's a hundred percent shoot. He never sets me up. He'll just say something and then it'll pop in my head. That's a good spot for me to plug it. So after the second or third person that said it, my wife was, in, was, was in an earshot and she heard it and she said, he literally takes that book everywhere. Now, with that being said, I did have like a messenger bag where I had some items that if I thought I was going to get signed, I would bring. One, I had a Stardom Digest that had Eo, Kari, and Mayu on it when they had all of the belts in Stardom. And that's like my holy grail to get that autographed by all three. I had the uh, comic book cover that my uh, my buddy Alex, shout out Alex Sanchez, did for me with Mayu uh, as Supergirl. I thought that'd be cool to get signed because that's a one-on-one. No one else will have that. And um, as my wife said that, because he literally carries that book everywhere, I'm like, oh, by the way. So I zip open the bag and then I pull out Living the Dream, <laughs> Stardom's 10th anniversary. So your book made it to New York City with me. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> needless to say, this thing got passed around like a uh, like a bottle of, <laughs> of, of uh, like a bottle of booze at a college party. There were so many people that were just so intrigued by it. So uh, hopefully I gave you some sales. But um, yeah, everybody was super, super nice. Um, like I said, my point was just at that point, I had an hour before the show to start to go to the bar. And then I just didn't because I was just talking to so many of uh, of the friends and family and the listeners of the Stardom cast, just completely overwhelmed by how much people are loving uh, what we do. And then um, I went back and started talking to Tom again from Monthly Pre-Roll Wrestle. Uh, you know, we're trying to just work some things out how he can help us and we can help him. And, uh, you know, to me, that's what, you know, what it's all about is there's no reason why we all can't win. 
And then I uh, met the lovely one, Karen Peterson, who uh, we've heard before on Post Wrestling, and she does a great job writing several articles for uh, Stardom. Does a great job moving um, the the product, um, you know, the product forward. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get everybody, everybody to uh, to watch Stardom. Uh, she put over right away how much she loved what we're doing on the podcast, and she loved our Kevin Kelly interview. So I invited her to be on the podcast, and um, we uh, after. Some emails back and forth. We did nail down a date. So we are going to record a uh, review with her of a Stardom Historic Crossover. So that'll be our next uh, our next guest. So so by the time that all happened, it was about 10 minutes before the show was supposed to start. And I did not have one drink. So I was like, okay, no problem. So we go in and we get in our seats. And I realized, Rob, we are right dab smack in the middle. So if you want to leave to the left or the right, you're going to inconvenience seven or eight people. And the two rows ahead of us, they kept doing that. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. It's like, maybe I'll wait to the second or third match. I don't know. But before the Cosmic Angels match, they did a 10 bell salute and video tribute to Antonio Noki, which I was just, I was just so happy that I was in the audience for that. So I thought that was uh, really good. Very well done. Very touching. Um, obviously, Antonio Noki really just one of the godfathers of uh, of Japanese uh, professional wrestling, and I don't think Japanese pro wrestling would be what it is now without uh, Antonio Noki's uh, uh, contributions to uh, Japanese wrestling, especially the you know the strong style and fighting spirit that he pretty much uh, you know gave birth to. So um, then we had the the first match, which uh, was the Cosmic Angels, uh, Mina and Waka going up against the team of Kylie Ray, and um, it's escaping me who the uh, the second girl in the match was. Tiara um, James. Wa- yes, yes, thank you. Um, Waka, out of all four of those ladies, had by far the biggest ovation. Um, a decent match. They uh, towards the end, it kind of got a little bit lost in the shuffle, and then when Waka got pinned, the air out of the building went because there was the way they built the matchup. There were so many people that thought that Waka was going to. Her first win in New York City. Unfortunately, she did not. The rest of the show was was pretty good. I do have to say, I think the best match of the night was Clark Connors versus Minoru Suzuki. And I thought that one of the coolest things was, well, first of all, Minoru Suzuki had by far had the biggest pop. And it's so funny to me is here's a guy that over in Japan is built as one of the biggest heels ever in Japanese wrestling. And anytime he ever comes over onto American soil, he's like the biggest baby face. Like it just completely <laughs> flipped. And even now that I think about it, even over in your country there in England, I wrote a quest one. It was him and Okada. And they, they were actually kind of boot Okada when he got the win. It was good because they wanted to see Suzuki uh, win the belt. So just funny to me, like <laughs> he's supposed to be this, this, this angry, just, you know, miserable heel over in Japan, and he's just so over in the States, which I think is great. I, I thought it was cool that when Clark Connors was coming out, they did like a almost like a behind-the-scenes video of him walking out, very similar that we've seen Stardom do when there's big matches in Cork and Hall. And as he was walking, he looked, he's distracted by somebody over on the right. It was Ken Shamrock. And I was like, oh, man, that's cool. So Ken Shamrock came out with Clark Connors, and uh, Ken, as soon as Ken came out, he started screaming at Minoru Suzuki. And for all you old uh, shoot fighting fans or Pancrase fans, Minoru Suzuki and Ken Shamrock had two legit shoot fights back in Pancrase back in the early to mid-90s, which Minoru Suzuki won via submission twice. So I thought that was really cool. And then they teased they were going to do, after the match they teased, they were going to do a Shamrock versus Suzuki match, and then they wind up hugging, which I thought was, uh, I thought, well, I thought was cool. Again, the whole crowd, the whole show was 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 pretty good. It was you know good to very good. Nothing really great. Uh, Mayu, I was really excited 
for the pop that Mayu got. Um, a lot of people uh, knew who she was. She, everybody was really, really uh, pulling for her in the match. Anytime that you know she was selling her on the heat, but uh, there, there was two quick. There was two falsies. I, mean, I don't think anybody thought that she'd be dropping the belt. But there was two times in the match where she got hit with some big moves. The way that she sold and the way she literally kicked out at two point nine nine, that it kind of took the air out of the room uh, in a good way. That like I thought some people thought they were going to be experiencing a title change. But eventually, Mayu hits the dragon suplex in a pair of super kicks and gets the moonsault win for or the hits the moonsault for the one, two, three. And then the main event saw Jay White and Juice Robinson defeat Okada and Eddie Kingston. Um, again, a solid match. It was basically more like the Eddie Kingston matches. Like Okada came out, got his big pop. Um, Eddie took the heat. Okada came in for the hot tag. It was like a bump and feed, bump and feed. He did the draft kick. No Rainmaker, no Tombstone, no Emerald Frozen. Uh, no money clip. Like a lot of the uh, greatest hits, Okada didn't do at all. And then Eddie Kingston got hit with the Blade Runner, and Jay White did a promo about how he's the king of New York. And then everybody's waiting for Okada to come out and uh, like maybe take Jay White out with the Rainmaker, and that never happened. So the crowd was kind of like, "Oh, okay." So then we were leaving, and as we were leaving, now it's eleven o'clock. My poor eleven thirty. Excuse me. So my poor wife has has endured. Six hours of this and not once complained, not once complained about anything. God bless her. So we're leaving. And as we're leaving, we see there's a line forming. And I'm like, what's this line for? Like, oh, there's a meet and greet. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. I was like, for who? They're like, Ken Shamrock. And I'm a big fan of Ken Shamrock. But at that point in time, enough was enough. My uh, my card was full. It was time to get a burger and a milkshake, which I did, and then go back to the hotel room and call it a night. So um, what I'm trying to say here, Rob, is obviously we had a great time. Uh, we met, again, so many of the fantastic listeners of the podcast that absolutely love what we do. And I was just absolutely floored and humbled, just humbled by what we're doing and just making a difference and that, that people are just listening and literally listening in line as they're waiting for the show, which absolutely blew me away as well. Um, and just, just so many great things have been coming, you know, from this podcast. And the fact that I had 0.0 alcoholic drinks the entire time I was in New York City is kind of a staggering uh, stat. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and, I, and if, you know, you kind of, you know, when I take a step back and think about it, I've only been part of this podcast for about a year now. And I know that you, you know, you've obviously started this, you know, from the ground up about two years. And uh, to me, just it's just onward and upward from here. Like we are just getting started. And the fact that the source material that we talk about is just so, so good helps us out. But again, and I may sound like a broken record and I apologize. I can't say thank you enough to everybody that came up to me, shook my hand, took a picture and had just the absolute nicest things to say about what the, what Rob and I are doing over here at the Stardom Cast. Yeah, the fact that anyone listens to me and Matt just chat about a product that we love is is mind-boggling. And the fact that, you know, people know the podcast and people know, you know, who we are and know the, you know, the logo and things like that, it's it, it baffles me. When me and Chris started this, you know, literally in a hotel room in Blackpool, it was done literally as I was learning what stardom was. I never in a million years dreamed it would be what it is today. And, you know, thank you, Matt, for rekindling my love of stardom and uh, my love of podcasting so yeah to anyone that came up said hello listens to the podcast thank you because we are we are truly humbled um i just want to talk very briefly about 
those matches. I'm not going to go into the New Japan ones. Um, I'm just going to talk about the starting ones, the pre-show match, obviously the one that Matt was talking about. Kylie Ray and Tiara James defeated the Cosmic Angels, Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama with the reverse TKO in 12 minutes and eight seconds. Um, first question, really, Matt, were you surprised that, A, they gave the Stardom Girls a loss on this card, especially as they were sort of the main focus. Um, And secondly, obviously, I've got the TV feed. um, And I want to shout out Ian Riccoboni, Matthew Raywalt, and Alex Kozlov. I thought they did a fantastic job on commentary. Ian Riccoboni especially has got a fantastic knowledge of the stardom product, so really added to it. Um, But what was the reception for Wacker as loud as it seemed on TV, because usually people are more into, I don't want to say more into Mina, but Mina gets more of a reaction. And it was nice to see Wacker in her hometown, you know, she was born in New York, to get that reaction. I think once this match was put on the pre-show, it was obvious they weren't going to give her the win. Um, But I thought the reaction was fantastic, Matt. Yeah, especially the fact that they came, I figured they were going to come out to the Cosmic Angels theme, but they came out to Mina's theme. So, you know, of course, and then Mina does her does her dance. And, uh, you know, that's part of the Mina Shirakawa package. So but when they were doing the, you know, the entrances, uh, the single entrances between all four ladies, Waka definitely got the biggest pop. And I thought they did a great job in the psychology of the match where like Waka took the heat and then they did like a double heat. Like she took the heat, like the sympathy heat. And, and Kylie Ray basically turned heel. And Kylie Ray is a, a very prominent baby face over here in the American Indies. And on, you know, uh, NWA and everywhere else she goes. And as soon as they cut Waka off, it was Kylie Ray uh, that cut her off and they started booing. And then she immediately knew her role and just like, oh, we'll go boo yourself. So then, you know, once she gets the hot tag, Mina comes in and she she gets on fire and she gets cut off. And I'm like, I think that's smart because now you get to see Waka sell and then you get to see Waka basically have the heels bump and feed for her. So I thought that was really, really smart psychology. Uh, in the match. So this way, you know, Waka was the most featured person in that match and she was the most over person in that match. But am I shocked that she had, that they lost? No, just because it's kind of like Waka's gimmick. And if Waka's going to win a match, it's not going to be on the pre-show. I wouldn't, if it was on the main show, I wouldn't be shocked if they won, but I think it'd be something that would be bigger highlighted. Yeah, I I guess my only thing was I, I did expect Mina to pick up the win. Obviously, she's got this big title match coming up. And again, the highlight has been on New Japan and Stardom. It just, it surprised me that they lost. I didn't expect Wacker to get the pinfall, even though that would have been amazing um, in New York. You know, when is, hopefully she's not going to have to wait too long to wrestle in New York again. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a decent enough match. Um, Tiara James, I think she's, I think, don't think she had a first singles match till March of this year. So she wasn't in much. I thought Kylie Ray did well. Um, And I thought Mina and Wacker did well enough. It seemed a very house showy match, which was fine. It's exactly what we needed for the pre-show. Then match six saw the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match. Maya Wibutani, the champion, defending in her second successful title defense, defeating Kylan King with the Moonsault in 11 minutes and 47 seconds. Now, I don't know. Did the interview um, between the two women air in the arena, Matt? You mean the one where uh, Mayu comes out and goes, hi, yes. And Mayu throwing here. in some basic English and automatically yeah, being which... the most over baby face, <laughs> apart from your wife, obviously, who deserves a massive <laughs> shout out. Um, like, beca- instantly, just that, hi, 
instantly became the coolest person on the entire card. So that did air in the arena. And it popped. Everyone got a pop when she came on. I don't know if they popped because they saw her or popped because of the way she said, hi, or a combination A and B, but regardless, <laughs> I, was, I was laughing and it was it was great to see her. And I think that, um, I thought Mayu was the second best performer on this show behind Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, um, she was massively over, actually, hugely over for the crowd. And I've actually written in my notes, she got the biggest reception of the night apart from Suzuki. Um, and she seemed genuinely overwhelmed like at the start when she came out onto the stage and got the pop and then when she was in the ring and you know you almost couldn't hear the ring announcer because of the amount of people chanting Mayu and it dawned on me that this is the first time she's wrestled in front of a cheering crowd since February 2020 wow that's wow mental Wow. You know, I mentioned something to the uh, the gentleman sitting to my right that like stardom's not I'm not used to this because they still don't do the uh, the clap crowds or the chanting. And American crowds are generally usually very vocal. There was uh, some people behind us that was very vocal with some adult language. And I was like, oh, I don't think that they've ever heard that before in Cork and Hall. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing, though, Mayu didn't come out with the mask and she didn't come out with the uh, the ball to throw. So I thought I would have had the way that our, where our seats were. I thought I would have had a shot at it. <laughs> a shot at shot it. At it. You'd have speared people out of the yes, way for yes, it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Double wrist locks all around. <laughs> now there was there was there was one point I got and you'll pop for this. So when Mayu wins, she gets on the rope and she has the um, the belt on the shoulder and she's doing the point to the crowd. She was pointing right exactly where we were, and I looked over at Amber and I go, you know, if that was Tam. She'd be pointing at me, <laughs> and this would be a whole different ballgame right now. <laughs> and she no-sold it. She oh, no-sold it. Like Amber. A- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, a- another couple of things from this match. Scarlett Donovan, who was the referee for both this and the pre-show match, uh, makes history as the first female referee in a New Japan ring, which I thought was quite a cool stat. Um and something I just wanted to ask you, Matt. Sorry, my voice is going. I don't know why. Um, I think I've asked this before, but how difficult is it to wrestle someone for whom English isn't their first language and how difficult is it to communicate in the ring? Um, obviously, Mayu and Kylan King didn't have a tremendous amount of time to block out a match. And, you know, for that reason, I assumed a lot of it was called in the ring but with someone who doesn't share the language that you speak that must be incredibly difficult and the reason i ask is because you know there were some ropey opening exchanges however the longer the match went on i thought they did tremendously well and it became a very solid title defense yeah a lot of times that um that could be a problem depending on your experience and i don't know how much experience the ref has i know my matches if I have a ref that I know that I can trust, a lot of times I'll use the ref to call spots, um, like on double downs or if they're away or if they're you know outside in the crowd getting heat or what have you. But um, Mayu just being Mayu, and she does know a, a decent amount of English, but at the same time, wrestling can be a universal language. If you see a way that somebody's squaring up or maybe even reading somebody's eye, you kind of have an idea where they're going. So yeah, I mean, th- that could be a problem. Uh, if you have somebody that's uh, inexperienced, obviously Mayu is one of the best in the world right now and one of the best ever, you know, uh, in, in, you know, in professional wrestling. And obviously that shined through uh, in that match, especially the build up towards the finish. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really, really, really good fan. I thought Kylan King, the, 
she looked a little bit or she felt a little bit maybe not starstruck, but the occasion um, looked like it was in danger of getting on top of her. But she came through massively towards the end. I thought she did really, really well. Once that initial communication error um, was sort of dealt with, I thought she did really well. Played the heel because even though she was a baby face, um, she played, you know, as soon as Mayu came out, she realized, similar to Kylie Ray, she realized that she'd be playing the de facto heel. And I thought she did really, really, really well. There was a great kick out of Kylan, um, Kylan King's finish, um, which popped me massively. Even though I knew in my head Mayu wasn't dropping the belt, that was a really good near fall. I gave it three and a half stars. I thought it was a really solid title defense. Again, nothing, you know, you should go out of your way to see, but. I would encourage you to check out Mayu's Mayu's reactions to the people chanting her name because that was the thing that really stood out to me. And again, first time she's wrestled in front of cheering crowds since I think, and again, someone will probably correct me and that's fine, Um, but I think it's February 2020 and I think it's the 8th of February 2020 um, and that way to Major League show against Takumi Aroha. I'm sure that's the last cheering crowd she'll have wrestled in front of because she she hasn't been out of Japan since. So, and Japan is still on clap crowd. So, yeah, baffling that it's been, you know, over two years since she's wrestled in front of a a cheering crowd. Let's move on then. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the Goddess of Stardom Tag League. We're moving on to night two, Sunday, the 30th of October, 2022, in Big Palette Fukushima, in Fukushima, um, with an attendance of 668 people, which is the highest attendance at the venue so far this year. Um, New Japan, Noah and Ice Ribbon have run the venue this year and Stardom have drawn the biggest attendance. Um, They last ran the venue for the first time in November 2021, almost 12 months ago, and drew 520 people. So a lovely bit of growth, especially for a tag league show where there wasn't a lot a lot of matches that sort of make you go, oh, that's going to be fantastic. Obviously, there was no Mayu because she was still in the US. Um, so Peach Rock weren't on there. There was no Black Desire. There was no um, Julia and Tecla in a tag league match, um, though they were in a fantastic match in a three-way tag match where Natsupoi continued a trend of just being beaten pillar to post. Bless her. Um, so yeah, really, really good growth for stardom, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Again, there wasn't like any marquee matchup, but again, phenomenal uh, news note there. So that I didn't know about that. Out of all the wrestling companies that drew that ran this venue, Stardom was number one with the show. So as always, fantastic research, good sir. And it just really goes to show you that it's not, it's it's at a point now where, granted, if you get a big match like a Kari match or a big Mayu match or a big Utami or Julian match, it's gonna draw. But at this at, for this show the draw was just stardom. It was like, yeah, stardom's going to be here. There's going to be matches with stardom wrestlers. Tickets are on sale at this time. So like for to, it, the way that I see it for this show is that just, just the brand stardom was the draw. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll run through these 
matches and results then, and then we'll cherry pick some of the matches. There were only three matches from the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, which saw a lot of teams get their first victory of the tournament. Um, we started with a singles match, May Sakurai defeating Momo Kogo with the diving elbow drop in six minutes and 32 seconds, um, which showcased the fact that despite May Sakurai making huge strides in her improvement, her elbow drop is still dreadful. Um, oh, I, in my notes, I literally put ha ha Rob insane elbow for the win. I literally have that. In my Honestly, I, I hate that move. I hate it so much. I know you do. Um, match two was a goddess of stardom tag league blue block match with the BMI 2000 team of Natsukatora and Ruwaka gaining their first victory over Wingori um, with Natsukatora hitting the Swanton bomb in nine minutes and five seconds. Match three was a three-way tag team match. Meltier versus the team of Micah and Julia versus the team of Himmaker and Tekla ended in a 15-minute time limit draw. Um, match four was another Goddess of Storm Tag League match again from the Blue Box. Uh, blue block, sorry, FWC getting their first victory over O2 line with Kogama pinning Mio Amasaki with a diving body splash in 11 minutes and 19 seconds. The semi-main was our last Goddess of Stardom Tag League match for the night, this time from the red block with Aphrodite uh, getting their first win over We Love Tokyo Sports with Saya pinning Saki with the Star Crusher in 5 minutes and 14 seconds. And then in our main event, we had a six-woman tag team match. The God's Eye team of Suri Mirai and Amisori defeating the Oedetai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe and Rina with the hometown girl, Amisori, getting the pinfall over Rina with a brain buster in 16 minutes. Um, first thing I want to talk about... Um, and I'm sure it's something that you've made a note of. We need to talk about Aphrodite and we need to talk about that Utami backflip, man. We need to talk about that. I haven't laughed so much. Not at the t- not obviously, right, just for those people who haven't seen it. Um, uh, Aphrodite did their entrance. Uh, they derobed, they got into the ring and they then did stereo backflips. Now, Saya obviously nailed it perfect perfect form Utami who isn't used to doing this has clearly been practicing and tried it and then bailed at the last minute but still landed on her feet and her look of oh my god I did it and looking at Saya and then remembering where she was and just bursting out laughing honestly moment of the show Matt I was had a little more concern for Utami because she held her ribs and then like was like walking funny for like a half a step and then started to stretch because whatever she pulled or didn't pull, she had to stretch it out. And I was like, oh, my God, is, is Utami done for this tournament? But like, you know, in the history books, we'll, be, we'll read, well, how come Utami left in night two? Well, she tried to do a backflip and pulled her ribs out. <laughs> That's that was my concern. <laughs> but once she was OK, yeah, it was like kind of a comical spot. Now the question is, Rob. Is this is she going to be doing this backflip entrance with Sai Kamatami from here on out? Because now we're going to be playing. I mean, we obviously pay play close close attention to Sai and Utami because they're great and they're fantastic. But now we have another reason to enjoy their matches or even kind of you know sit up a little more straight as we're getting ready to watch the matches. Utami going to be doing this backflip on her entrance? I think even more than that, Matt. We need to test 
who is going to do it right first? Is Utami going to be able to do a backflip or Waka do the Cosmic Angels dance? Which one is going to come first? Oh, Utami does the backflip. <laughs> All my money on that one. So <laughs> um, I must admit, the Aphrodite versus Wheel of Tokyo sports match, it only went for five minutes. It was your standard sort of Fukuken death match. We had a lot of newspaper shenanigans, um, which I did enjoy uh, Fukuken death launching a paper at the referee, um, sort of continuing on that feud. Um, but it's probably the match I wouldn't bother going out of your way to see. Um, it was it was over very quickly with Saya hitting the Star Crusher. Um my match of the in terms of goddess of stardom tag league matches was FWC versus O2 line. Um, I don't know what Miyu Amasaki has said or done to Hazuki, but Hazuki gave her an absolute pasting during this match, Matt. I think maybe now that Unagi's out of stardom and maybe when Unagi left, she was leaving the building and said, Hey, you know, I'll see you later. And then high five Hazuki and said, You are now the assessor. Of the locker room. I mean, maybe that, has, <laughs> maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, she was, uh, you know, Koguma was, you know, doing her spots and making, you know, making her run the ropes and whatnot. But there was some really good double team stuff from FWC. But yeah, when it came down to Hazuki versus Miyu, it was like, yeah, I'm going to beat down this rookie. And boy, howdy, did she. Yeah, some of those kicks were hit very, very snugly. I mean, we talked about um, on the last episode about Miyu Amasaki and how she looked really solid um, in their match against Wingori. And I thought she looked really good here as well. She did a massive amount of the heavy lifting. Azumi was barely in this match, um, but I thought she did tremendously well, mostly on defense because she was on the back foot considerably, especially when she was against Suzuki. Um, but I thought she looked really, really good here. I gave it three and a quarter stars. It's a solid match. Um, it's probably the tournament match of the night. Um, the only other one um, was obviously BMI 2000 versus Wingori. Couple of things to note from this match. I thought Natsukatora's Swanton Bomb looked beautiful. I thought it was really, really good. We had a legitimate finish, which, thank God, after the way BMI 2000 got themselves disqualified against Kawhi Venus, I was genuinely concerned that we were just going to have a really tepid run through the tournament again. But they actually got a legitimate win. And the interactions between Natsukator and Saida were really, really good. I want to see that in a singles match, Matt. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, you ran and raved about how much you liked Wingori last week. And uh, as usual, whenever you like something from Hana, whether it be uh, the Wingori tag team or this uh, or a phenomenal theme song, uh, you are absolutely <laughs> right. So I... I was like, boy, the, yeah, the, these two are really, really good together. So, I, again, I hope that they pull out a string of wins and maybe somewhere down the line in 2023 they do get a tag title shot because I would love to see you know these two uh, get pushed. But yeah, I thought this match was really, really good, and I've been very critical on Ruaka, you know, the, la- the last seven, eight, nine months or whatnot. But I think that her teaming with Tora not only um, in this, and as much as I kind of ragged on their first match for just the lack of rules and rules being followed, I think her and Tor really, really gel well together. And and um, this might be the best spot for Ruwaka right now is her teaming with Tora. And I thought Tora's stuff looked really, really good here. And again, yeah, I'm all for a Saida versus a Tora singles match somewhere down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And again, they get their two points there. Um, 
we need to talk about obviously the three-way tag match um, and just what I think will be christened eventually as the Natsupoi. Um, oh my God, the word's gone out of my head. Um, ah, the Natsupoi pinata match. Uh, <laughs> where she was literally kicked around the ring like a football. She was beaten black and blue in this. Like, I don't know whether she just goes, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll do that spot. Yeah, just hit me with whatever you've got. Or whether it's just an internal rib. But Jesus Christ, that poor woman, Matt. Yeah, we talked about Miyu. Uh, Miyu's beat down. Miyu, she got off light compared to Natsupoi. And uh, I heard a rumor that when they come out with the uh, stardom video game, that this match is going to be an option. Uh, for you know, you you can choose the singles match, the tag match, the trios match, or you can choose you know the cosmic rules match, or whatever. And then there's going to be the not the point beatdown match. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I remember when the graphic for this came out, I saved it and then I texted you right away and I said, "You believe this? It's basically four on two. It's kind of really what it was. And then it, it, it did break down into uh, into basically all three teams, and there's some really good exchanges with Mike and Himika versus uh, Tekla and uh, and Julia, which I thought was really, really good. And hopefully maybe that's a match that we get somewhere down the line as well. And I know that, you know, those four ladies are all in the same faction, but uh, I thought the, the minimal stuff that they did, they gelled really, really well together. But I have to say in the 35 years that I've been watching, studying and writing about professional wrestling, I don't know if I've ever seen before what they're doing with, with Natsupoy. Because you can kind of, you know, when the, I mean, obviously, this whole feud is stemmed off uh, the backbone of Tam and Julia. And when this when their feud first started two years ago, clearly Julia was the heel. Tam was the baby face. They have their blow off match, uh, the hair versus hair for the Wonder Stardom uh, title. At that point, Julia almost turns herself baby face just because she's so good and so entertaining. So then you're getting into these matches where it's like, well, you have the Cosmic Angels versus Donald Del Mundo. And you can make an argument that both of them are baby faces because they're both so popular. The two, two factions are popular. And then Natsupoi does the turn. So clearly in this whole faction warfare, Nat, will you agree with me that Natsupoi is clear heel coming off that turn? Correct, Rob? Correct. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. So now she's getting all these beatdowns and she's getting all these beatdowns in the five star and any matches that she's had with any members of Donald Del Mundo. And we, I don't know, well, maybe we're evil because we kind of just chuckle at it. We text each other like, you know, did you see this? Did you see that? Like she's just getting beat down. So they do the time limit draw and then all four members of Donald Del Mundo just kind of almost like stop poor Natsupoy into the point where Tam jumps on top of her to kind of like protect her. And then once everybody kind of leaves, you see Natsupoy just kind of almost like crying. And she's got all these scrape marks on her. It's like, I've ne- and what I'm trying to get at, I've never seen all these years I've been watching pro, pro wrestling, what they're doing with Natsupoy to the fact that she's supposed to be the heel in this scenario. She's the one that turned on Julia. But yet they're building sympathy towards her. Like, I'm starting to feel bad for her. Like, I feel generally, like, baby face sympathy towards her because she's just taking such a beatdown of the sins that she committed uh, you know, a couple months ago when she turned on Julia. I mean, to be fair, it will be very difficult to turn Natsupoy heel. I mean, her, her very demeanor is baby face. And I think her fit in Cosmic Angels, uh, I said before when I came back onto the podcast, that her fit in Cosmic Angels is far better than her fit in Donna Del Mondo. Um, I just, I, I honestly, I, I don't know if you need to build her more as a baby face, but that seems to be 
in my opinion, what they're doing. They just seem to be building even more sympathy for Natsupoi so that the Meltier team can be the baby faces and whenever they are defending the tag titles. I don't think he needed to do that. I think by sort of default, Natsupoi is going to be a baby face. Just, I mean, look at the way she wrestles and things like that. It doesn't scream heel, does it? Um, but, you know, all six women were kept strong. Um Natsupoi is going to need to lie down and just, you know, a bit of a timeout, I think, for a bit. Um, as I feel like this could be a theme throughout the entire tournament, bless her. Um, the main event then, God's Eye, Siori Mirai and Amisori defeating Oedatai. It was nice to see Amisori get the win, Matt. Yeah, it was her hometown. You kind of figured that's where they were going with it. And this is my favorite match of the one show that we're, we're reviewing. Now, that, I, I thought it was, whenever they do this, I always like, get a chuckle. I'm like, but how do they time that? But Yami gets the win with the Tornado Brain Blaster and the graphic comes up 16 minutes right on the dot. I was like, how about that? But we got some teases from Momo and Sherry. And anytime those two are in the ring together, yes, please. Because that was like, to me, the highlight of the match. But, and again, going similar to uh, the whole Waka thing uh, in New York with the, where she takes the heat and then gets the hot tag. And they did the same thing with Ami Sori here. And it worked. You know, it worked in New York for Waka and obviously it worked here with Ami. You know, the, her hometown crowd got to see her kind of get her butt kicked and be on the cell and then make that hot tag to the champion, uh, Sherry. And then once uh, Mariah, Mariah gets to the ring and she gets cut off and then they get to see her get the hot tag where she comes in where you have three fantastic heels uh, in Starlight Kid, Irina, and Momo kind of bumping feet here. And you kind of look, you kind of knew when this match was starting that Rena was taking, taking the fall. But I thought Rena was like one of the MVPs of the match. Uh, and you have so many big stars in this match, but I thought Rena looked absolutely fantastic. And it's just knowing how good her other two sisters are, Hana and uh, and uh, and Hina. It's just uh, it just goes to show you the future of stardom is just really really bright. Because I thought Rena here really really uh, really shine here, not only in her in her in her uh, in her offense, but just like they did with the tag stuff that she did with Momo Starlight Kid, but in her selling as a heel as well. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, I've said for a while now that Rena makes a very, very good heel. It's a, it's a bratty teen is sort of the gimmick that she's going with. And she's learning from, you know, some of the best heels in the company. So that will continue to impress. And again, you've mentioned it. All three of those sisters have got big, big futures because Hina's come back and seems to have really upped her game. Rena's continual schooling in the heel world from a weather tie is really helping. And obviously Hannon is just a, a fantastic baby face. And again, she's in a faction with Mai Iwatani, who is the baby face um, and the best person to learn from, certainly. Um, that's all of the shows that we're going to be reviewing on this considerably shorter episode of the podcast when you consider we went two hours last week. Um, but we have got a couple of shows just to preview. Obviously, we've got the pay-per-view, which will be airing tomorrow as we record, 3rd November, and we'll be bringing you our review of that on Sunday. Um, but the Goddess of Stardom Tag League continues to roll on. So we've got two shows coming up in the next week. The first one will be on Saturday, the 5th of November the Goddess of Stardom Tag League Night 3 from the Nara Convention Hall in Nara. And these are your matches. So we've got singles match, Starlight Kid taking on Saya Ida. That's going to be really, really good. I'm excited for that. Um, a six-person tag match, Tam Nakano, Natsupoi and Wakasukiyama versus Azumi, Lady C and Miyu Amasaki. 
Another six-person tag, Micah Himmaker and May Sakurai taking on Tora, Momo Watanabe and Saki Kashima. And then we get into a run of four tournament matches. In blue block, we have got uh, seven up, Nene Takahashi and Yu taking on the new eras, Mirai and Amisori. Um, in blue block again, we've got FWC, Hazuki and Kagame taking on Wild Venus, Mina Shirakawa and Saki. Um, in the red block, a really, really blockbuster match here. We've got Mafia Bella, Julia and Tekla taking on Suri and Tomoka and Naba, Karate Brave. Um, and then we've got Mai and Momo Kogo's birth into the tournament. Peach Rock taking on Aphrodite of Utami and Saya. Um, Matt, what jumps out at you on this card? Peach Rock versus Aphrodite. Um, also, uh, the Mariah and Ami story versus uh, Seven Up because that's going to be like, yeah, here's the finish. Here's what I do. Here's what you do. We'll see you out there. Uh, it will hit hard and we'll buy beers later. So, uh, I think that's going to be good. And then, uh, uh, Mafia Bella, um, uh, you know, with the with the with their match, I think, uh, just seeing Tekla back is just so refreshing. So, uh, it looks like that that's probably going to be the co main event. And the show starting off with a singles match. So, we got about a singles match, a couple. Six-person tag matches, then some, and then some uh, tag matches for the tournament. So a nice little array of matches for Stardom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we've got night four of the tournament, which is the following day, Sunday, the sixth of November, from Me West Wing Me in Sioux City. Um, and the card is as follows: We open with another singles match, Saki Kashima versus Saya Ida. Um, we've then got a tag match: the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani and Miyu Amasaki taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa and Waka Sukiyama. Um, we've got a three-way tag match um queen's quest utami and azumi taking on mirai and amisori and the team of micah and himika that's going to be very very hard hitting um and then we get into our run of tournament matches we have got fwc hazuki and kogama in the red block taking on bmi 2000 natsukatora and ruaka another red block match with uh Meltier. Tam Nakano and Natsupoi taking on Suri and Tomoka in Naba, Karate Brave. Um, another red block match, Julia and Tekla, Mafia Bella taking on My Fair Lady, May Sakurai and Lady C. That's going to be interesting to see how May Sakurai approaches that. And then we have got in our main event, or at least that's how that's written on the website, Mayu Utani and Momo Koga, Peach Rock taking on Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. Some really tasty matchups on this Matt night, Matt. Yeah, so we got the pay-per-view on Thursday, and then we have two back-to-back solid uh, action from uh, the Tag League. You know, that Karate Brave versus uh, Meltier would be really, really good. And then the Black Desire versus Peach Rock. Uh, we get Mayu in the ring with Momo Watanabe again for the third time in like six or seven weeks. And I, by no means am I complaining. I, I am complaining. Give me more. Why had why haven't you given me Mayu versus Momo more? So yeah, those two matches, I know, and all those cards, uh, just absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's it's just full steam ahead from Stardom. They're just there's a there's just non stopping the Rasio Gawa Stardom train. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really, really looking forward to um, Melty versus Karate Brave. I think that's going to be a really good match. And obviously, we've got the reigniting of the feud between Starlight and Mai Watani and Peach Rock versus Black Desire. That's going to be a very, very good match. Unfortunately, 
there's one person taking the pinfall in that match, isn't there, Matt? And unfortunately, that is Momo Kogo. Oh, I was going to mess with you. I'm like, yeah, I can't believe they're going to bury Mayu <laughs> right before her big, but you just completely ruined my joke. Yeah, that's, that's what's up. Uh, that's absolutely right, sir. Um, so that brings us to the end of our podcast. Uh, next week, I'll just quickly, we're going to be talking about the pay-per-view that is going to drop on the 6th of November. So keep your eye out for that. Um, on Friday next week, we'll be talking about these two goddess of stardom tag league matches. As Matt alluded to, our... Um, review of the historic crossover show is going to be featuring Karen Peterson, the wonderful Karen Peterson. Um, and that is going to be dropping in your feed on the 27th of November, the Sunday. So keep your eye out for that as well. And in between, we will be reviewing the gold rush show and the return of the 10 million yen ladder match at Eddie and Arena Osaka. Um, so keep an eye out for all of those. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, thank you to everyone that leaves a review or subscribes to our podcast or just listens to us prattle on about stardom. We we cannot thank you enough. You're all absolutely amazing. Um, don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere. If you can leave us a five-star review or a comment, especially on Apple Podcasts, it really, really, really does help us out. And it does help us be exposed to more people. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the Stardomcast, the same with YouTube. Um, you can find us on the website, www.thestardomcast.weebly.com. Obviously, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at real Rob Goodwin. Matt, plug your socials and sign us off, my friend. Absolutely. Always a pleasure talking to you there, Mr. Goodwin. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, you can get me on the Twitter and or the Instagram, Matt Turner OF. I actually create an email as well, as I know social media isn't always everybody's thing. So if you want to email me, it's thestardomcast22 at gmail.com. And if you have any questions for Rob, you can put them on the email as well, and I will copy and paste and text him at midnight my time, which would be five o'clock his time, just to wake him up. I'm just kidding, uh, but really, if you do, if you do have any questions for him or me, uh, the stardomcast22 at gmail.com. Uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for the support. Thanks to all the new Patreon listeners, as that does help us out quite a bit. That's greatly appreciated. Like I said, anything that you need from me, please just let me know. Because as always, it's just not my podcast, it's our podcast, because we're all in this together, and everybody's different, everybody's special. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.